Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Good to see you all this morning. Welcome to Victory Church. Glad you're here today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. We're going to begin in the book of Revelation chapter 4. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 4. And I'm going to continue the series that I started last week titled The Pathway to Victory. uh, And the directions that we should go on our own personal life to live a victorious Christian life and to be all that God wants us to be. But also the steps that we take whenever we come to Victory Church and kind of the expected step for and the pathway that we all should walk as church members here at Victory Church. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then I want to jump right into this first step on the pathway to victory. Father, Lord, we need you. We need your presence. And, and Lord, I just pray now you'd speak to our hearts and open our minds and illuminate the verses of Scripture that I'm going to be sharing God, help us to have a better understanding of what your word teaches about worship, about what true worship really is. And Father, there's so many different angles that that we could go whenever we're teaching on the subject of worship, and uh, we certainly can't unpack everything the Bible has to say about worshiping you in one message. But I just pray that some of the passages of Scripture that, uh, that I've chosen will speak to our hearts, will help us to... Uh, to develop a better understanding of what genuine worship really is. Father, I pray you meet with us even now. And uh, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is today that they would open up their heart's door and they would receive you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords of their life. Uh, Father, I just ask that you meet with us and you draw us closer to you and you give us a better understanding of what worship is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I guess whenever we think about, and by the way, this, this pathway to victory, step number one for all of us is worship. Uh, I, I really want, when folks come into Victory Church, I want people to recognize and see that, man, these folks are engaging in worship. And I want us as members of Victory Church and attenders of Victory Church and everyone that comes in, I really want us to engage in this time of worship. And I hope and pray that we can grow more and more and more in our, in our worship experience. But whenever I think about worship, I guess there's a lot of different images that come to my mind. Uh, and we've all been to the big conferences where you have all types of different hand raisings and, and, and different things going on in worship. We may have these images that come to our mind. But for me, the very first image that comes to my mind when I think about worship, I think about where we are really going to experience worship at its fullest. And where do you think that's going to be? That's going to be in heaven, right? I want you to look in Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 down through verse 11. That's the entire chapter, verse 4. And then I want to read a few verses in chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. So go ahead and take out your Bibles and follow along with me this morning and help us and, or, or follow along with us as we, as we think about the subject of worship, which is step number one for every single one of us. 
Now look what the Bible says in Revelation 4.1. I love this. And after this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. And the first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, I, I really don't have time to really unpack exactly all that's going on right here, but this is John the Revelator speaking. If you remember, he's been exiled on the island of Patmos. He's been left to die out there, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden he, he got this great vision from the Lord. And, and actually, in chapter 4, in verse number 1, this is really what's really taking place, eschatology speaking, as far as the church is concerned. It's the rapture has just taken place. He says, come up hither, come up here. And that's that calling out, if you will, of the rapture of the church taking place. And John says in verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. And one seated on the throne, and, and the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders. Now, I don't even have time to really unpack all of this. You're going to have to trust me in this, and you can get my entire study. I did 64 sermons through the book of Revelation. They're available for you if you'd like to have those. Uh, but the 24 elders represent the church that has just been raptured out, okay? Uh, that's the symbolism. What represents there these 24 elders is the church that has been called out and raptured. Now, by the way, you may ask, who is the church? Is this just Victory Church? No, it's not just Victory Church. It'll be a small number in heaven. I think there's going to be a lot more people than just what's in Victory Church, right? Who is the church? Is it any one denomination? No, although some believe they are the only ones. And, and a lot of times you have to be quiet when you go by their floor because they think they're the only ones in heaven, right? Uh, we certainly don't believe that. I don't believe that a specific denomination has the monopoly on heaven. Amen. Let me repeat that. Apparently you were asleep and didn't hear what I just said. I do not believe there is a particular denomination that has a monopoly on heaven. Yeah, come on, stay with me here. I, I do better when you engage, okay? Matter of fact, if you engage, I, I may get a little quicker and it may be a little shorter and you may get out of here a little faster, okay? So there is something on your end that I bargain on your end. So 24 elders, um, they're around the throne. That's the rapture of the church. The raptured church, the church that's around the throne is every single man, woman, boy, and girl that has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, regardless what denomination they may be a part of. Hello? As a matter of fact, let me take it a step further, and some of my pastor brethren may not like this. Maybe some of you may not like this, but you don't even have to be a member of a church to get to heaven. Now, should you be a member of a church? Yes. I don't believe you can really live out a victorious Christian life without having an active local assembly of believers in Christ that you identify with. However, it's not a prereq for getting to heaven. You can get to heaven without being a member of a church. Now, some more may not even like this. You can get to heaven without being baptized. Hello? You cannot get to heaven without paying your tithe. So you've got to pay your tithe here this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Just seeing who's paying attention. Right? You can get to heaven without paying your tithe. I mean, listen, all you got to do is trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and that's it, and then you're numbered in heaven. But you got to understand something now. There are crowns that will be given, and those crowns are earned while we are here on earth. Oh, that's a, I, I really don't have time to even go there and unpack that. It's to your advantage to get connected to a local assembly of believers and get engaged and start working and serving God, and, and I believe there you'll start living the victorious Christian life, but 
I, that's not my subject matter today. I just can't help it sometimes. I just go there. So the 24 elders are around the throne in verse number 4. And on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white cloth with gold crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning. See if you can get this image in your mind, if you will. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning around the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were in the middle and around the throne. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature was like, uh, had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had seven wings and they covered with eye, or cover, and they were covered with eyes around and inside. Now get this. Day and night. Get this vision now. Get this picture. Day and night. That's nonstop. 24 hours a day, if you will, if we can use that terminology. Nonstop. Day and night. They never stop saying, here's where this worship is taking place. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne. And they worship the one who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne. Now, this is the church, okay? The 24 elders is, a, is, a, is symbolic of the church, the raptured church that's been called out. And they're, whenever this worship is taking place, they're bowing before the throne, and they're laying their crowns. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. They worship the one who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, and they say... O Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they exist and were created. Question, who is it do you think that is worthy, worthy to receive our worship, honor, and praise? That's it. Nobody else. Hello? There is no man that walks the face of this earth that is worthy of your praise and of your worship. That's why I tell you over and over again, do not put me on a pedestal. I will disappoint you. I will fail you. I will let you down. I am a man. Hello? Don't put any man, woman, person, figure no one on the throne there's only one that is worthy of any worship that may come from you and that's the lord god almighty he is the one we worship we don't worship our church we don't worship our denomination we don't worship our baptism we don't worship our pastor we don't worship our leaders and our deacons we don't worship our small group leaders we don't worship each other hello are you tracking with me we worship who god that's what that is. Guys, you got to understand, worship is a verb. It's where we come together and we honor him. We honor God. And that's what we see taking place in Revelation chapter 4. Let's jump, if you will, in chapter 5 and verse, let's jump down to verse number 9. 
This is that continuing process of what John the Revelator was seeing when he's getting this vision of what's taking place in heaven when this church is bowing down before the Lord and they're crying out that our Lord, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power, and praise. And verse number 9, and then they break forth in singing. Look what they said in verse number 9. And they sang a new song. Who's the they? The 24 elders, as it tells us in verse number 8. They sang a new song. Man, I like this. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people by God for your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation, which by the way, and I even have written in my Bible right here, this is my dream for Victory Church that we would be a church that is open to every tribe and language and people and nation and ethnic group and social status. Man, I want us, there should be no barriers of that nation that hinders us from coming together to worship God. Hello? Right? There's going to be no segregated worship in heaven. We're all going to gather around the throne. Listen, he died for the sins of the entire world, for all people groups, for all languages, for all tribes, for all nations, for all uh, ethnic groups. He died for us all. That's good stuff, guys. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also the living creatures and of the elders. And, and their number, get this, their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud, with a loud voice, the lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the, under the earth and on the sea and everything in them blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. God, whenever we start thinking about worship, I really don't see how we can go anywhere else other than Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. To me, that's the pinnacle of what worship really is. And everything else we're doing down here, we're really looking forward to the day when we're living out Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 when we are around the throne worshiping God. Guys, may I, may I just remind you that this is going to become a reality in our life? If we are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to understand... Hey, I enjoy, I enjoy football playoff as much as anybody. I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching the Ravens beat the Broncos yesterday. I mean, I kind of enjoyed that. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Tracy, I felt for you on, on, on Monday night. I, my heart grieved for you on Monday night. Matter of fact, I told Tyler, you think Tracy's doing okay? I want to call him, see if he's okay, but I just didn't want to disturb you. But I enjoy college football. I enjoy the NFL playoffs, and, and I get excited about that. But I promise you, there, I don't think there's anything that any of us, none of that's going to hold a candle to what we are going to experience one day when we are around the throne of God and we are worshiping the one who is worthy and we're singing praises to him, the one who, who opened the scroll the one who died for the sins of the whole world, the Son of God, God himself, in all of his glory. Man, what a day that's going to be. Hello? Are you with me, church? What a day that's going to be. Worship. Here's what I want you to understand. I don't even have a slide for this. I don't believe. Yeah, I do. Worship is a verb. Get that. It's something we do. It's not something we attend 
Listen, you, you can't worship by just simply coming and sitting in a congregation that may be worshiping and say, I worship today. No, it's something you do. It's not watching somebody else do something. Hello? Worship is you getting connected and you getting involved and you praising him. It's an attitude and it's an activity to pay homage to a holy God. It's worship. But I guess the question is, and oh man, I'm, I'm getting so far off my notes here this morning. I, I guess the question is, the, the question is, can we only worship on Sunday morning at 1030 when we gather together collectively? The answer to that, and you're already saying it, is no. No, of course not. I mean, we can worship every single day of our life. Now, I think there's something to be said about corporate worship. I think there's something to be said about coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ and focusing on the one who is worthy to receive honor and glory and praise. I, I think there's something significant when we gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And by the way, understand, let, let, me, just, let me just put this out there. Let me just put this out there. Stop looking at each other. Now, I'm not saying really just looking at each other. Everybody's like, okay, looking straight ahead right now. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is quit paying attention to one another to, to the degree that, oh, I can't worship because I don't need, look, look how they're living their life or look how they're living their life or look what they're doing or, or, or they shouldn't be like that or, or what, you know, or they said this to me or I can't believe they did that. Get your eyes off people. That's what I'm trying to say. Get your eyes on God. He is the only one that's worthy. And you know what happens whenever we start looking at each other and we start judging each other and we try to think we can judge and manipulate and maybe undermine and, and kind of understand what people's motives are. Listen, I don't know what people's motives are. That's between God. All I can do is live my life and focus on Him and preach God's Word and try to get you to come along with me as, as I follow God. And let's focus on Him. So there should be nothing that hinders us from worshiping God whenever we collectively come together I can only think of one thing that would hinder you from worshiping God it's a little small three-letter word that has tremendous magnitude in our life it's the word sin there's only one thing that will keep you from worshiping God and that's unconfessed unrepented sin in your own life now, if you get that taken care of, there should be nothing that should hinder you from worshiping God. Worshiping God simply is a verb. It is a response to who God is and what he has done for us. Now, all this is by way of introduction. I want to get to three main things I want to share with you. But can I share with you real quickly about a little bit about who God is? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I wrote down about eight or ten different things about who God is that should lead us and engage us into worship. And if you'd like, I'm going to hit them really fast. If you'd like to have my notes, email me. I'll send these out in a PDF doc to you, and you can have them. But here's you a few, just straight from the Word of God, reasons why we can worship Him because of who He is and what He has done. Let's look briefly at who He is. The Bible says in Genesis 17:1 that He is the all Almighty God. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, he is the Prince of Peace. In Revelation 19 and verse 16, he's the King of Kings. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, he is the Lord of all. In 1 Timothy 4:10, he is our Savior. In Titus 2:14, he is our Redeemer. In, in John 14, 26, he is our counselor. In James 2 and 23, he is our friend. In, in uh, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, he is our healer. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, he is our comforter. And the list can go on and on on and on and on about who he is that's enough but what has he done 
That's who he is. But here's a little bit about what God has done. In Genesis 1, he created the earth and everything in it. In Colossians 2 and 15, he overcame the enemy. In Romans 8, 3 and 4, he died for our sins and for our faults and for our failures. In John 16 and 7, he chose to dwell with us and in us as born again believers. In John 3, 16, he loved us with an everlasting love. In Romans 5 and 18, he has justified us. In Romans 8, 16, he has called us children and heirs. In Romans 6 and 4, he gave us this new life. In Hebrews 2 and 14, he has set us free. In 1 John 1, 9, he has forgiven us. And the list could go on and on. I think you get the point. Listen, we should be worshiping him for who he is and what he has done and by the way once again he is the only one worthy to receive our worship and I just think you ought to give the Lord a praise offering for who he is and what he's done hello he's a good God and whenever we come together we need to come together with that mindset we are worshiping him you're not worshiping me and I'm thankful for what Tyler does with our praise team and with our band and, and for all the talents that's displayed up here before us. But we're not worshiping Tyler. We're not worshiping the praise team. We're not worshiping the band. We gather together to do the very best that we can do to focus on him and to lift him up. And I think if we all did that, get this key word, intentionally every single time we collectively came together instead of looking at each other looking at who he is and what he has done I believe it could transform our worship experience here at Victory Church Woo! that's good preaching hello preaching brother amen that's good stuff wow working up a sweat up here already Huh. You know what worship is? Man, there's so much you can say about worship. I mean, you can preach for Sundays on Sundays on Sundays on the subject of worship. But you know what worship is? Worship is motivated by a desire to honor God. Mm. So therefore, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what motivates me? Do I have this desire to honor God whenever I come together with God's people? Or, or am I completely preoccupied in my mind with other things? Or, or am I looking around, as I've already said, at other, other people? Guys, those things will hinder you. You must come together with this desire to honor God. And by the way, God is looking for those people who will truly worship Him. He, listen, I believe that's the reason He created us all. And so we could come together and worship him. And I believe that's why he gave us free will, so we could choose to worship him and honor him and love him, right? Love is not demanded. You choose to love someone, right? And I believe that's what God wants for all of us. In John 4, 23 and 24, it says, But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's the two ways that we're to worship the Father, in spirit and in truth, for such people, the Father seeks to be worshipers. Did you get that? For such, for such people, I think it's on the screen here. Where is it? For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is seeking after people to worship him. And God is a spirit. And get this, those who worship him must worship him, how? In spirit and in truth. What's that really mean? I, I could spend a couple sermons unpacking that for you, but here's the gist of it. 
In spirit means you can't truly worship God until you are born again and the Spirit of God is living within you and then you can engage through the Holy Spirit connected with God the Father. Then you can engage in that. I believe spirit also has a little bit to do with our attitude and our mindset and, and who we are as a person. I believe there's, there's kind of a broad word there. But also in truth. What is truth? The Word of God. I mean, listen, guys, you, you, you can't worship until you get into the truth of who God is. And that's why it's so important that we understand what false doctrine is and what false teachers are. And that's what I'm trying to unpack for you on Wednesday night through the, through the book of Jude, which he gave us a warning about apostasy and false doctrine and false teachers. Listen, we've got to be able to identify that and be able to know who that is because the only way we can worship God is whenever we connect with him in spirit and in truth of his word mm. god is looking for those who can worship him he is seeking worshipers now let me ask you a question here here's another question do you worship god or do you just know some things about god because there's a difference do you worship god or do you just know some things about god so whenever we think about worship, there's, and in the scripture, let me give this to you just by, I'm just going to hit them and go. But there's all different types of imagery, if you will, and physical images and expressions of worship through the entire scripture. And I'm just going to give you about three or four or five of them here and, and just kind of hit them and go. I don't have time to unpack these. But, but there are some physical aspects to worship. In the Bible, in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 3, in Psalm 5 and 7, Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2, it talks about how they are bowing down. So part of worship is simply just bowing down before the Lord. In Deuteronomy 33, 3, the Bible says, Indeed, he loves the people. All your holy ones are in your hand. And they assembled at your feet. In Psalm 138, in verse number 2, the psalmist says, I will bow down toward the holy temple and toward our God. So there's this bowing down, this, this humbling ourselves, this, this bowing at his feet. In Revelation 4, I just read it to you, how the 24 elders, whenever they heard, heard, saw, heard, saw what was taking place and, heard, and around the throne, they bowed down before the throne. So bowing down is a part of worship. Another part of worship is lifting up of our hands. In Psalm 134, 1 and 2, Psalm 119, 47, Laminations 2, uh, 19, 1 Timothy 2, and verse number 8, all of these are references and there's many more that talk about lifting up holy hands to God listen guys whenever we gather together in here I want you to know it's a, if you want to bow down you bow down that's okay it's biblical right church Amen. hello are we are we listen hold on now hold on there's some folks that hold, hold on here there's some folks that may say amen to this but when it really happens what are they doing you ever seen that right Listen, it's okay if you want to bow down. If you feel that God is calling you just to get on your knees before him and lift up your hands, I want you to know that is okay here at Victory Church. Is it in the Bible, yes or no? Yes, it is. If it's in Scripture, it's okay, right? Is it okay to come in here and lift up your hands and, and sing praises to God? Yes, that's okay. We see this bowing down. We see this lifting up of hands. You may say, and I've even heard some say this, well, I don't know about all that clapping. What, did they clap in the Bible? Good question. Yes, they did. That's the next one. Clapping of hands in Psalm 47 in verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, clap your hands, all you peoples, and shout to God with a jubilant cry. How, yeah, think about it. You know, yesterday, 
we, we had gone to the uh, to funeral home and made a visit and and came back, me and Debbie and Tyler, and, and we're at Ruby Tuesdays, and we're sitting in there, the three of us, just eating dinner, and, and we're watching the last part of the Ravens, and, and there was like, uh, what, 30 seconds to go, and the Ravens had the ball, and they were down seven, and, and Denver thought they had the thing won, so to speak, and he throws this, what, 70-yard bomb, Hail Mary, 80-yard pass, and all of a sudden they get a touchdown, and we're sitting in this really nice restaurant, and, and we're eating, and all of a sudden Tyler and I both went, Woo! <laughs> and then we uh-oh, maybe we shouldn't have done all that. But, well, you know, we kind of got excited when, when we saw that take place. And then we sat there, and we were completely done with our meal, and we sat there and watched the whole first overtime and, and the second overtime and, and watched them kick the field goal, and, and we kind of got into it, and we got excited. You know what? We got a whole lot more to get excited about than a football team winning a football game. Hello? So it's okay because we see it in Scripture. If you want to come in here and you want to bow down, then you feel free to bow down. If you want to lift up your hands, you lift up your hands. If you want to clap, let's all practice right now. Let's give the Lord a praise clap offering. Hello? He's worthy. Think about who He is and what He has done. It is appropriate for all of us to do that. We can clap our hands. Oh, here's another one. Some, some old-timers may, may crumble right here a little bit, but hold on to your knees right here. But do you realize that dancing is appropriate before the Lord? Now, I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about some sexual, seductive, sinful type of dancing. But I'm talking about a da- or, or dancing that, that's meant to draw attention to yourself or to somebody. Listen, there's only one that's worthy to receive honor. So if your dancing is honoring you, then it's sinful. Are you with me? But there is dancing in Scripture before the Lord. When we are worshiping and when we are praising Him, in Psalm 150 and verse number 4, it says, praise Him with... Oh, I don't even see it up here. Where is it? There it is. Psalm 150 in verse number 4. It's what the Bible says. Praise him with tambourine. And I'm not going to dance for you. I just don't dance. But it says praise him with dance. Right? Tracy, you're waiting on me to cut a rug right there, weren't you, brother? Praise him with tambourines and with dance. Praise him with the flute and the strings and the instruments. You see, I think all of these, and by the way, Whenever you start thinking about the doctrine of sanctification, we are all in the process of being sanctified. And sanctified just means being set apart. But also, I believe that instruments can be sanctified. You see, these rolling electronic drums, turn me on, somebody. I'm not a drummer. Can y'all hear anything? You got it turned off up here? Can y'all hear that out there? Man, I can't hear a thing but rubber. Can y'all hear anything? All right, well... Don't buy electronic drums next time. Let's, let me get this right here. Right? Now, I call this a, um, I call this the wrong term every single time. I call them bongos, but I know they're not bongos. There is a correct name for this, and Mike and Harold tell me, what's the correct name? Djembe. You know what this thing is? This one, and that one, and that one, and this did you hear this in our, in our music this morning? You know what this egg is? And I'm afraid to even pick this up. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and all these guitars and these keyboards, you know what all this stuff is? It's sanctified. You see, all these instruments could be somewhere in the world 
being used for personal gain or for the world's pleasure. But they're all in God's house being used for his service. That's that setting apart, if you will. That sanctification that's taking place with our instruments, with our own lives. How we're set apart for God's honor and for his glory. Do you know something else we find as an expression of worship in scripture? Now, by the way, there's many more. I'm just going to give you five here. Another one we see is singing and musicians and choirs. And we see that in Nehemiah chapter number 12 where they, where they brought together those that played the trumpets and they brought together the choirs and those that would sing and, and they all sang praises unto the Lord. All of these are action items. All of these are things that we do to express our worship to God. And they all make up a part of worship. Right? So whenever we come together and the band is playing... And the music is playing and the singers are singing and the congregation is clapping and holding up their hands and maybe, maybe on their knees kneeling before God or, or, or maybe just clapping with their hands, whatever. As long as it's all honored and directed towards God and not towards self to draw attention to myself or some type of, or, or, and the dancing, and some type of seductive dancing that the world has taken the beauty of it and, and perverted it. Are you with me? By the way, do you realize that, that also sex was created by God? It's a beautiful thing done in the correct way, but the world has taken it and perverted it. Do you understand that? I mean, we have, we have, we have these things that, that God has created. I'm talking about worship now. I'm talking about singing and, and, and dancing and lifting up hands and, and bowing the knee and, and lifting up our voices and playing the tambourine and, and the cymbals and, and so forth and so on and, and singing and, and worshiping Him and clapping as long as all that is directed towards God. Listen, have your way at Victory Church with that. I mean, fill it home with that. Go ahead. I mean, get connected with God and let's engage in worship. Now, when the world, when an unbeliever walks in the door and they see that, they may think, I'm not real sure what's going on around here. But you know what? That's okay because why? There's two things required to worship the Lord in John chapter 4. They must worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. Hello? Wow. Man, there's some good stuff. Let, let, me, let me go a little bit further here. Let me go a little bit further. Let me try to share with you. I want to share with you a verse of scripture here. And man, my time's already gone. And I'm, I, I'm really going to have to whittle this thing down. So let me see what I can cut out here. I want to give you a couple verses of scripture. I don't even know if I have this one on the screen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 39. This is a key verse whenever it comes to worshiping. Another key verse, I may have this one, is Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. You're going to have to glean through there because I'm going to start cutting some stuff. Uh, but I, I want you to get a hold of these two passages of Scripture. You need to jot both of these down. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 39, it's the parallel passage that goes along here with Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. I think that's a key passage of Scripture whenever we start trying to get our hands around what worship really is. You remember one day as uh, the Lord was there, this guy came up to the Lord and he said, Master, what is the greatest commandment? And he told him in Matthew 22, also in Mark chapter 12, he said, he said, Lord, what is the greatest command in the entire commands and all of your commands and all your teachings? What's the greatest thing that we are to do? And the Lord told him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul and strength. Then he said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is likened to the first. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you realize that the number one thing, the top priority in my life, the number one, the greatest thing that I do in my life is worship God? Right? That's what he just said. This is the first and the greatest commandment, to love God, to focus on him, to honor him. And that leads to worshiping him. We may think, well, whenever we think about the greatest thing we could do as a believer and a Christian, we say, oh, prayer, praying is great. Praying is great. And we all need to be praying. And we all need to learn to pray. And we need to get connected more in prayer. But it's not the greatest thing. The greatest thing is to love God. Now, it can help us love him more and when we communicate with him. But loving him is the primary thing that we're to do. You might say, well, seeing is important. Yes, yeah, seeing is important. But loving him is the most important thing we can do. You say, going to church, it's important. But loving him is the most important thing we could do. You may say, well, taking communion is important. It's important, but loving him is the most important thing that we can do. Let me say two things, two things I want to point out here about worship. Number one, worship is my response to God's love. Worship is my response to God's love. And number two, worship is giving back to God. Once again, in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, here's the message. I want to get to this next slide, I believe it is. Three things or three ways that we are to love God, and I believe all this centers in worship. Whenever you start doing these three things intentionally, then I think you're on the pathway to true, genuine worship like I've been talking about in Scripture. And they all come out of Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. The three ways that we are to love God, we are to love Him thoughtfully, we are to love Him passionately, and we are to love Him practically. Those three ways we are to love God. Look what he says about how we are to love Him thoughtfully in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with what? With all your mind. We are to love Him thoughtfully. In other words, we are to be intentional in our thought life. You know, there's a lot of religions out there that whenever you worship or you're in your time of meditation, they say just kind of disengage your mind and just kind of put it in neutral and, and, and all of that. You know, that's not what God teaches. God teaches that we are not to worship on autopilot. And, and by the way, how many of us pray on auto, autopilot? Now, I'll probably be the first one to tell you I pray sometimes on autopilot and, you know, because it usually never fails. Any function I go to, because I am a pastor, it's almost like I am the declared person that prays over everything, you know? And sometimes I look around and say, well, can't y'all pray? Am I the only one that can pray? And, oh, let's get pastor to pray. Pastor, you pray. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes we do pray in autopilot. Lord, just thank you for this day and for these people and for this food. And blessed are our body, blessed are our service. And amen, 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 right? I mean, you do. Don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. You do that too, right? We all have this little methodical, little memorized, little prayer that we pray over our food. And, you know, and now I, I, I applaud you for praying. I'm amazed how many people go to restaurants nowadays and don't even bow their head and pray. And, and whenever we do see somebody praying, we always say, hey, praise the Lord, they're praying over there. Thank God for that, you know. But I mean, most people don't even take time to pray anymore. So I guess if you have some type of memorized prayer where you're at least doing that, that's better than nothing but I'm talking about true worship where you are engaging in your thought life to God. And I want you to know 
that he is aware of everything that's going on in your life. And there needs to be some times in your life where you hit the pause button and you start reflecting on him and thinking on him and loving him with all of your mind, okay? Where you, where you kind of turn off the cell phones and turn off the computers and the iPads and the, the iPhones and all that stuff. Just turn them off. I promise you the world will survive and it will be okay if you disconnect from the social world for five or ten minutes. It will be okay. People used to live a whole lifetime and never have social media, believe it or not. Right? Sometimes it's hard to believe, but they did. Right? So disconnect for a little bit and connect with the Lord. Listen to Psalm 139 and verse 1 through 3. The psalmist says, You have looked deep into my heart, Lord. You know all about me. You know when I am resting and when I am working. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. The point is this. God has his attention focused on you every single day of your life, every single hour of your day, every single minute of your hour, he is focused on you, right? He is omniscient, he's all-knowing, he is omnipresent, he is everywhere, he knows exactly what's going on in your life. He is intentionally focusing on you. Listen, you are the object of his love 24-7, even when you are sleeping. How many of you parents remember back when your your children were really small and you'd put them away to bed or in the crib or in their first bed and and you'd go in there and you would look at them when they're asleep and you would just kind of just look at them while they slept? You remember doing that when they were smaller? Then they get a little bit older. Like, go to bed, you know. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. But, but <laughs> you just look at them, and you, man, you just love them. And you know what? That's what God does with us. While we're asleep at night, He's just He's just kind of watching over us. That's my children. That's my children. He does that for me, and He does that for you. We are the object of His love. He focuses His attention on us. So what we need to do is love Him back. Thoughtfully, We need to focus on him. You say, well, how do you do that? Let me give you two action steps. And I think I've got them on the screen here. How do I begin to focus my attention on God? Number one, I believe we must establish a daily time with God. We must, we must build some time with God in our calendar every single day, okay? Matthew 6, 6 says, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply and honestly and, and right before God, okay? Just, just find a place. I'm trying to hit this really quick and move forward. But we got to establish some daily time with God, okay? Number two is this. we got to develop a constant conversation with God. Find a daily quiet time with God. And then begin to develop a constant conversation with God. Psalm 105 and verse number 4 says that we are to worship Him continually. Right? And Isaiah 26 and verse number 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. So that's what I'm talking about as far as worship. Worship Him thoughtfully. I'm going to give you the second one. And there's more I can say about all that, but, but I'm going to move past that. Worship Him with our mind. Worship him thoughtfully. Build some time in our calendar day, every single day. Listen, I'm not telling you to go home and spend five hours a day of quiet time with you and God. Now, if you want to do that, praise the Lord to go do that. But let me say this. If you don't have anything built into your day of spending quiet time with God, start with five minutes. You say, just start with just five minutes. At least start there, okay? Just sit still. For, just turn everything off 
and just sit still. You say, I don't know what to do. Just sit still. And just be quiet. You'll be amazed at how your spirit will start connecting with God. And how he will start connecting with you. And if you be still, you'll feel almost like a gentle nudge in your heart sometimes. Man, I need to focus on that. That's something I need to do. That's somebody I need to talk to. Or that's something I need to get out of my life. Or that's someone I need to apologize to. Wow. That's just a brief example. Just get quiet before God. You know, you don't have to have all the noise. Matter of fact, oftentimes that's a distraction. And by the way, Satan's not above keeping you busy so he can keep you from being holy. He's not above keeping you busy doing good things. I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about doing good things. And sometimes our schedules can get so full of doing good things, we forget the most important thing. For we are to love him with our mind. Thoughtfully. The second one, we're to love him passionately. And that's talking about with our heart and with our soul. Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, and then your mind, and your strength. We're to passionately love him. And why are we to love him? First John four nineteen says, we love him because he first loved us. Passionately love him. The third thing we're to do, and what's my action step for that? How do, how do we passionately love him? Let me share this one with you. And this is really kind of a simple little step that can lead you to loving God with all your heart and your soul. And when I mention it, and it's already there and you're already reading it, you're going to think, really? I usually find when my passion for God starts to wane, it's usually because I have stopped thanking him for things in my life. Just the good things. Just, just look around. I mean, there's so much that we all have to be thankful for. So if you want to start loving God passionately, if you want to start worshiping Him passionately, then learn to be thankful for what you do have instead of what you don't have. A lot of times we look around and we think, well, I don't have that, and I wish I had that, or well, God hadn't given me that, or God hadn't given me, but God's given you a lot of things, and maybe until we start thanking Him for what He has given us, why do we think He has any right of giving us what He what we're wanting that he hasn't given us yet and we're not even being thankful for what he has given us. Does that make sense? I feel like I talked all around that. I'm not sure I said what I'm supposed to say. But be thankful. I mean, look outside. Be thankful for the rain we got. We drove over, had to go to St. Louis Airport to pick up Kristen about six early yesterday morning and, uh, and go pick her up. Drove over to Mississippi. Man, that thing is so low. It really is. Barges are way down there almost beside each other. I mean, it's tough. And we look at the rain, we ought to be thankful for the rain we got yesterday. 
right? The other morning we woke up and everything was just iced over. I mean, a heavy frost. You look out and everything was white. I mean, it was, and it was just white. I, I got up that morning and it was a beautiful, it was a cold morning, beautiful sunrise that came up. The colors on that eastern horizon were absolutely amazing. And then as the sun came up and it started reflecting on that heavy frost that came over, that morning I had breakfast with John Pratt. And I said, brother, wasn't this morning beautiful? Did you see what God did this morning in that sunrise and that heavy frost we had? We need to slow down and sometimes start being thankful for those types of things. Thankful for the air we breathe. Thankful that, that our heart just beat one more time or just is beating, right? Aren't you thankful it, it's beating right now? Aren't you thankful it, it just kept beating again, right? I mean, it did it again. Aren't you thankful? One more time, are, are you thankful? I mean, let her stop, Right? And see the results and see what happens. Then you'll start, oh, God, why not, why not holler out to God before it stops? Amen. Just those little things. The, the fact I was watching, I was watching uh, painfully, watching uh, Duke basketball yesterday, Tyler and I were, and, and, uh, and at the end of the game, and you know, Tar Heels won, congratulations, I, I, I know. But Duke got beat yesterday, and they're at NC State, big rival right there in the triangle in North Carolina. And, and they're, they're at NC State in the Wolfpack, and, and I'm watching, and, and the students are getting ready to storm the court because they beat the Blue Devils, which, you know, I kind of look at that as a, you know, you just patted me on the back because you realize the Blue Devils are a team worth storming the court over if you beat them, right? Anyhow, I won't even go there. But, but I look, and getting ready to come out on the court was this college student in a wheelchair. Now, I don't know what his problem was, and I don't know how long he'd been in a wheelchair. It may be something temporary, or he may have been in it his whole life. I don't know. But that caught my eye. It also caught Dickie V's eye and whoever was calling the game with him because as soon as the game was over, they ran with him out to center court, and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of students just came out of the stands, and he's right in the middle of that thing. And one of the announcers made the statement about this young man in a wheelchair, my mind thought, man, I bet he wishes right now he could stand up and be dancing with the rest of them in the middle of that court, but there he was. You know what we ought to be thankful for? For those of us that can walk, be thankful we can walk, be thankful if we're not living life in a wheelchair, be thankful that we have 10 fingers and 10 toes, be thankful that we have decent health, I mean, guys, there's so many things. Whenever you start really just looking at so many different things we can be thankful for, it really helps us to start worshiping God and loving Him and expressing that love for Him more passionately when we realize that He's the creator of it all, right? And He's in charge of everything. And He's given us some graces many times that we take for granted and we need to be thankful. Let me give you the third and final way that we need to express or, or to show our worship. We worship where worship is using our abilities for God, and that's practically. Just using our abilities for God. In Mark chapter 12, and verse number 30, once again, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's practically. And all your abilities, everything that you can do, love God by doing everything that you do. Do it for Him. What's our action step for that? Let me give you this one, because I think this is really good. You know what most of us need to do right now? We need to change who we are working for in our personal lives, in our careers, in our families, everything that we do in our ministries. 
We need to change who we are working for. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, matter of fact, let's read this together. Can you see it up there on the screen okay? Let's read it together. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Let's read it again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. In what? Everything. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it as though you're working for the Lord and not for people. In every job you have, whatever it is you may be doing, do it for him. And when you start doing it for him, you know what that's called? That's called worship. We can worship him thoughtfully. We worship him passionately. We worship him practically. Whenever we love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, right? That's how we worship. Let's pray. I'm going to ask a band if they'll please come. Father, we thank you for this time to just glean from your word this morning and help us, every single one here at Victory, to connect in true worship. Help us, God, to, to learn how to worship you thoughtfully. Help us to build some quiet time in our life. Help us to focus on you. Help us, God, also to love you not only thoughtfully but passionately with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with everything within us. Then also to love you practically with all of our strength in everything we do. Father, you are the only one worthy to receive any worship. There's no man living or no man that has ever lived or any man that will live in the future that deserves worship that only is to be given unto you. Father, help us here at Victory Church today to be that church that will focus our attention on you and will not be ashamed to lift up a hand or to bow down a knee or to sing praises to the top of our lungs. Help us, God, to, to be a church that doesn't come and sit to be entertained but help us be a church body that comes together to connect to take part in true genuine worship collectively when we gather together but then also as we go throughout our week as we think about you as we work for you as we serve you we're worshiping you. Help us, God, to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net 
And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.